This is RangerCast, episode 14, discussing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers once and always, recorded on Sunday, April 23rd, 2023. In this episode, we talk about the long-awaited 30th anniversary special. This is RangerCast. As always, I'm Tyler, better known as Udo Volto, and I'm joined by Mike Manos. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'm rated Y7 for fear. A little bit of fantasy violence. And the r slash Power Rangers moderator, Razgris Infinity. Josh, what's up? Hey, everypony. How's everybody doing? And completing our lineup today is Lamar. Oh, is there something Power Rangers going on? Um, Maybe. As, as always, you can find us online at rangercast.net. And we have a bit of an upside-down show today uh, because it is such a uh, a big time in the Power Rangers community. And we are so happy to be back after a few weeks away. I know I'm happy to be back. I uh, recently recovered from COVID. I thought it was built different. I am not. Uh, but once and always, Mighty War Power Rangers, once and always, the uh, 30th anniversary special dropped on Netflix on April 19th. Um, I'm not ashamed to say I cried more than once. Uh, Josh and I and a couple other uh, subreddit moderators watched it early that morning. And I mean early, early that morning uh, on a Netflix party. Um, <laughs> the Zordon Forsaken hour of 4 a.m. Central Daylight Time. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how about y'all? What kind of situation uh, did you watch it in? Uh, yeah, so I watched it with uh, my wife and my son. Uh, I, I had to wait until after work because, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I have a job. Um, but uh, it was <laughs> it was fantastic being able to just kind of sit down and dedicate a good amount of time to just watching a brand new episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And it did yeah. feel like a brand new episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but we'll get to that. Uh, Wednesdays, I have a group chat on Skype where we uh, kind of binge watch that new episode of The Masked Singer, which airs Wednesdays. It's kind of our hate watch that we like to do together. And that's 8 p.m. Eastern. And after we did that, we decided to, uh, together, the seven or eight of us, watch Once and Always. Uh, I was the only one in the group who uh, really knows the franchise, so I kind of kept quiet and Scribbling down notes for this episode of RangerCast. Uh, my girlfriend said that she was interested in seeing it if I thought it was good and worthy of seeing. And I told her this morning that we probably won't bother. But that you, will come later. You've chosen violence. That's uh, why seven violence is, it won't mean that much. Right, right. So uh, once in always it tells the story of the Rangers fighting a robotic reincarnation of Rio Pulsa, who in the first five minutes kills Trini, uh, which we knew was coming from all the trailers and all the, you know, going back to all the talk about Quantum Continuum, we knew that something like this was going to happen. And it's about her daughter Min, her orphan daughter Min, uh, fulfilling her destiny as the new Yellow Ranger. They couldn't get everybody back, 
for a variety of different reasons, but the story centers on not just Min, but her relationship with Zach and Billy. And um, it felt, it felt like, you know, getting together with old friends. And uh, how did you guys feel, you know, when you saw Zach and Billy together again for the first time since 1994? It kind of felt like a dream come true for me because I had always kind of I'd wanted to see these guys come back. Um, I totally understand why each separately left the show. Um, but I, you know, this was the sort of thing that you you plan out and you as a little kid, you know, you play with your figures thinking, oh, yeah, well, this will never actually happen. So I might as well come up with it myself. And no, they did a fantastic job. Um you know, it was clear that, you know, um, they had been away for a while, but it was still really great to see them both. I agree. It was since I've met those actors at uh, Comic Cons here in the past couple of years, it was great seeing them back on screen and them just not missing a beat, just falling right back into the roles of Zach and Billy almost flawlessly. As many things as I have to say about this episode, I'm inclined to agree with the two of you, or the three of you. I feel like seeing them return to those roles is in a way a bit of a surreal experience, because for many, many years, we did not think it would happen. Because of the various circumstances as to why they left the show, because of the refreshed nature that the franchise has every year or every other year now. Um... Obviously, they liked to harken back to Mighty Morphin, but uh, the thought of having this many returning cast members come back this far removed from the original seasons seems like a pipe dream. And it's like, Absolutely. and it's like they said, you know, um, it used to be just a fantasy where kids would play with their action figures and try and reenact what it would be like with these characters were still there. I personally would not kill off Trini with my action figures, but that's neither here nor there. But just for a lot of people, I felt like this was something that it's hard to, um, it's hard to properly convey the anticipation that so many people have for this. Yeah, I, I wanted to follow up with you on that because I, I agree with you fully in the sense that I, I'm, I'm following up to a little bit from my earlier comment of speaking with them at the cons as well. They, they have 30 years of perspective on it. So seeing them like reunite back on screen, I almost felt like they're like they realized that their success, they were giving it back to the fans who have been asking them to come back. It was it was a the perfect storm for in that respect for it. Yeah, I mean besides besides just the fact that it was an anniversary, it felt like the time was right for this, but the moment that the music kicked in in that opening scene and there was that shot of the rangers running toward camera with the probably one of the Big like an explosion big enough to make Koichi Sakamoto blush. Like I just felt like a kid again. Me too. That I'm not gonna lie. On YouTube they have the opening. Um, someone uploaded the opening, and I think I keep going back to like that 
first three seconds of the the guitar riff and seeing them run that that's a great shot that's wallpaper worthy like they they got ron washman they got jackie marchand to consult in the story they bought photos from bruce hines yes they they did everything short of filming in valencia yeah yeah no my wife who hadn't watched a single episode before we had met and got married was saying that like yeah, I I was feeling nostalgic, and I don't even have nostalgia for this. It had an interesting job to do in terms of grieving Trini and, by extension, Tui Trang, while also still feeling like Power Rangers. I, I think, you know, kind of going back to our praise for... Walter Jones and David Yost. I uh, think that scene, that early scene in the living room, was probably one of the most incredible scenes from an acting perspective I've seen in Power Rangers because we've never uh, been in this kind of situation where they've talked about uh, death so directly and grieving so directly. And just the intensity, you wouldn't know that David Yost hadn't acted in so long. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, they both were clearly bringing their, their A-game when it came to acting. Um, and it was nice, too, because even though, yeah, they hadn't been doing it for a while, they also still have all the information and all the, like, the tips and tricks that they knew. So it was good to be able to see them kind of, like, unleash some of that. Mm-hmm. I I agree with that, because that with that that's one of my favorite scenes in the entire thing of mm-hmm. in the in the broad perspective of Trini's death to I guess that front porch scene the living room scene that's the even power rangers can die type of deal and they I'm I'm glad they got it out of the way in the first couple minutes they didn't try to shoehorn it in they didn't try to gloss over it that it happened um with Walt uh Walter Jones and Yoss acting they sold it where that's people who have 30 plus years of experience of beyond just immature teenagers with attitude this is parents this is mentors this is they are looking at it from a different lens now almost Mm -hmm. and i felt i felt them sell that if that if that means a lot like they sold it well i also feel like it's this is going to be something I'm going to harken back to a lot when discussing this episode about the context of the show versus the content of the show. And the content of that scene is obviously, you know, we need to we need to deal with the situation. You know, Trini's died. How, how are we going to tell Min? But the context of the situation in that, yes, Walter and David, or no, yes, Zach and Billy are talking about Trini, but in that exact same moment, you me, everyone watching this, is kind of watching that, but we're really watching Walter and David talk about Twee. And I feel like interspersing those two ideas together is something that elevates the scene more than any script could have. I see what you're saying on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's it's their own version of grieving still this many years later yes. of it and finally just releasing there there's the 
it, it goes exactly with what I was saying. Of there's all there to um what what's it called? It's not the method acting, but it's if you've been there, it makes scenes even better for it. It's, that's what they're using. Yeah. Well, there's another term for it. Um, yeah. for it, but it's like you know it, so you know how to react to it versus trying to idealize what would what would you do? Right. And I think I'd compare some of the way that uh, Tweet Train's death is treated in this special to the way Wakanda Forever handled Chadwick Boseman's. Yeah, um, you definitely... So Angela Bassett in that one did a fantastic job at portraying a mother who had lost everything. Um, you know, uh, David and Walter did a fantastic job at, like, Okay, what do you do now that a close friend is gone? And I think a lot of the credit, too, has to go to Charlie Kirsch, who I thought was just mm -hmm. phenomenal the whole time. And the way that they included and that the things her character does, a lot of, like, references to Trini, like the praying mantis style, like, uh, like her training with... You know, the, these you know the those dual sticks or the broomstick in um the broken broomstick in the juice bar kind of foreshadowing her taking up the power daggers mm -hmm. uh and just her the energy she brought was just phenomenal yeah no I would definitely love to see her uh come back for something um you know whether it be another special or heck whether she come in and be a ranger in another season. Yeah, uh, and I, I also like the sense of what the Rangers had been up to since we saw them. Like Billy, you know, is apparently a you know traveling space in his spare time. He's Elon Musk. He, yeah, we he's Tony Stark. He's more a Tony Stark. Um, he has he has like Cranston Tech, this headquarters that looks like the command center with the actual command center like below it. Uh. Zach was was a member of Congress who left to take care of men. Uh, Rocky's a, a fire to the comics. Yeah, Rocky's a firefighter. And the women uh, don't get jobs at all. They're just moms. Well, Why can't the women have actual jobs? Well, we we I mean you know we know what well, we're reminded I suppose from uh, the special that a uh, cat can work a crane. <laughs> well. Let me tell you something. As crazy about 90s PSAs and safety protocols that Power Rangers was not afraid to shy away from, we've all remembered the stuff where it's like, this isn't real. Be safe whenever you're doing anything. To see Cat operate a crane, which, you know, I get her, her Ninja Zord reference, which did Cat even pilot the Ninja Zord, like the Crane Zord? And how many times is so twice, maybe? They had fully moved on to Shogun by that point, but that's neither here nor there. To see her, in her age, operate a crane with no helmet and no safety features whatsoever, as someone with an engineering background who works in that field, I'm just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Should they put a PSA at the end, then? Just taking out a couple minutes, like, like, uh, like the old days? Have her wear a helmet. It's not that hard. Hey, she put on one a few seconds later. 
okay, fine, but and then, I'll get to it when I get to a giant list of problems, but that whole crane scene just... Anyway, but yeah, I get that it's cute. I get that it's an Easter egg with her piloting the crane. I like that they didn't point it out like, gee, Kat, you sure this isn't your first time being in a crane, is it? Like, I like that they didn't do that. And I get that it was a, a wink to the fans, but that's but that's I, a minor I, peeve. I, I like that there were actually a lot of very, you know, very subtle uh, signs that everyone involved showed their work, like the yeah. cleanup club photo, like the gravestone of Harvey Garvey, rest in peace. Or the fact they kept the Bandor Palace sign up on Rita's Palace, where, you know, you could expect that maybe they wouldn't, they wouldn't think that was important. Do you think there was Harvey Garvey again? Uh, In um, Lights, Camera, Action, the season two episode where they went on that talk show, he was the host. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like... And he was played by Kim Strauss. That's right. Voice of Scorpius and uh, Ninjor. Okay, okay. I thought it was one of those things where, like, you know, um, Harvey Garvey had been in a, a boat or something that had gotten thrown off screen in the Japanese footage, and everyone just ignored it, and then it's like, no, actually, no, he died. That entire scene just seems to be written for websites to be like, here's ten things you didn't know about the Power Rangers special. Oh my gosh, I saw so many of those. Yeah, and it was like, who's oh Harvey Garvey? And then they look on Ranger Wiki, and they're like, oh, that's what it is. Let's get some yeah. website content. Like, like we got this covered, published a clickbait article, just reminding people how Tweet Trang died. But did yeah. you know that cat no. was the pink crane, crane ranger who operated the crane? And guess what? In the, I'm sorry. <laughs> but... I know we're bouncing around a bit, but speaking of performances, Barbara Goodson did not miss a beat. Barbara Goodson crushed no. it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, she did. I was like, that was probably her best performance as Rita. So, it, if we're talking real fast about the other actors and actresses, can I also throw into Catherine brought that awesome mom energy? Like, her acting yeah. was on point, too. Oh, like, oh, yeah, that yeah. charge at the end, like what they used in the, uh, like yeah. the credit slash opening big fan i'm like oh yeah that's a mom who's about to uh like bring the shit down like oh fantastic i like this iteration of cat more than the cat from the show previously yeah and uh i was watching the um because she feels like a different character and her own character rather than just being a fill-in i was yeah i was watching some of the uh, power playback uh her video and she she said that you know, her reservation, one of her reservations before agreeing to do it was she didn't want it ju- to just be, you know, this token thing. Uh, kind of ref- weirdly, I think in a little bit kind of referencing um, Dimensions in Danger. Like she wanted to actually like have stuff to do and she got stuff to or, do. Well, or obligatory ding um, yeah. forever red where they were going to bring her in and just she was a voice. Uh, for one of the uh, generals. She was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was just gonna say, she did a fantastic job. Um, you know, I'd say she put in one of the better performances in the special. Um, and, you know, I've always been more of a fan of Kat than Kimberly, so it was nice to see her get uh, some love uh, from the fans, uh, just because I know yeah. Amy Jo's yeah. always usually getting getting the majority. 
Yeah. Yes, join and... the club. Yes. <laughs> I'm a big uh, fan of Catherine yes. myself as well. Yeah, she was good in this. Um, and even though the actors couldn't be there, I think the suit actors, especially suit actor for Kim in the first scene, really, really dropped down up. to the knees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She like sold that. It. Like that. That. Yeah. That sold it. But I think I think the absences didn't really hurt early in the special, but you know, in the resolution, it was kind of weird, kind of season twoy. Uh, that we the you know we just had you know Adam say that they were heading to Aquatara to recover. We couldn't see them. Let you know they yeah. have a yeah. list of references they have to tick off so the fans don't riot. Maybe yeah. put in a fake shimp. That's something that I was I wanted to allude to earlier when you were talking about all the Easter eggs and stuff. And a lot of the Adam Aisha stuff, especially, I feel like that there may have been maybe too many references made. And it kind of I understand it's a 30th anniversary recollection, um, you know, look back on the entire franchise. But I feel like sometimes they were so focused on making a reference that they kind of lost sight of the special as a whole. And it literally just like, okay, we got to say the thing. It's like when you watch clips from cons and guests will say a lot of really insightful things, but then you have a bunch of fans who are just chomping at the bit. They're just like, do the more! And that's all that they're waiting for. That's like my least favorite thing at at cons. Um, You know, you're wasting everybody's time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What was it like to pilot the Zord? Boy, I really wish I could tell you. I'm 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 gonna go the I'm gonna go the opposite route because many people there are people who do attend cons that yes you hear the same question and over and over what got you into voice acting what made you do this like yes those are absolutely annoying questions but man there's so many people who haven't. And this may be their only time to see those people do that. Okay. I mean, I'm very much in the middle ground of that. Well, no, what what I was meaning is yeah. I don't have a problem with that. It's just more like it doesn't matter what was going on with the actual plot of the episode. It felt like people were just waiting for it's morphin time. They were just waiting to see the Megazord fight. They were just waiting to oh, we'll talk about the Megazord fight. Oh, and they were just waiting mm-hmm. to see them in the suits. It just felt like sometimes the show was so focused on flashing, like, here's what you want. This is what you want, isn't it? Like dangling a carrot in front of a horse. They don't care about the path of that they're laying. They just be like, hey, look, here's a treat. Lap this up, ponies. You know what you came to see. I mean, in fairness, did we not? And I'd oh, add yeah. in, too, again, the middle ground of it, I, I can relate on that. Half of me, though, is like, if they didn't reference some of it, like, oh, the Trubian War, the fans, or where was Adam and uh, Aisha? People would have been pissed, and it would have overshadowed the actual special. On the other hand on it, I felt that's a side effect of it being cut from eight to two episodes. I feel like, oh, we we have to make some of these, even if they're little throwaway lines here and there. Just to check in. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I think there are also fans who are hung up way too much on how they got their powers back. Like, there are a few explanations, you know, Ninjor, Master Green, Sentinel Knight, but who cares? I honestly do not have any problems with how the Rangers got their powers back. They mentioned that they made proxy coins in case of an emergency situation. If Billy has as much intelligence as the show has always led him to believe, where he borrows from alien technology from Aquatar and he brings it back to Earth and he has, you know, an entire workforce working for him now. I could totally buy them well, having and- proxy coins. It that if if you're watching Power Rangers for 30 years and how do they get their powers back is the thing that causes you the most gr- most grief as as opposed to like air on the moon. <laughs> like there are mother bigger things you could be worrying about. That was fine. They did the best they could with that. I had no problem with the explanation. And I mean the franchise has established uh, for at least the past two decades, there's been human-made um, morphers. So, like, why couldn't they just, you know, reverse engineer one uh, that they already have the connection to? Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, are we all just ignoring the fact that Billy built the turbo power? I mean, oh, wrong podcast episode. That's for another day. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I agree. Like, I think. Out of every complaint, if people's hills that they're dying on, we got the powers back to just say, who cares? <laughs> Another thing I didn't mind, I saw some people complaining about Billy being the cause of all the problems in this episode. Um, the fact that him trying to revive Zordon caused Rita's evil essence to possess Alpha 8, which first of all, I have to say... Kudos to the PR team, public relations team, for keeping that under wraps. I did not see Alpha 8's possession mm-hmm. into Robo Rita coming. I thought that was a fantastic way to handle it. And we thought that the yeah. tube, we thought that the tube with the crack in it, because I thought there was something sus about that, because that slash was in the opposite direction of the direction in which Andros hit Zordon's tube. I thought there was something sus about it, and I was right. Yes. But I liked... You were like, that That was a great story element. Yes, but what I really liked is, as somebody, when I watched MMPR, you know, I feel like a lot of people watching the show related to Billy. A lot of people were, you know, shy, maybe more intelligent than their peers, and it was a nice little escape for them. But I feel like in the early seasons, they wrote Billy to be a little too perfect. They wrote a lot of that cast to be a little too perfect. Remember when Billy was supposed to have a nervous breakdown because he got a B on a test? Well, and of course, the entire group were the top five students in the class. Always. So I liked that they made him fallible in this episode. I liked that he screwed up and he owned up to it. And that is the kind, that was a nice message, I think, for kids to have, kids that may be watching it. I like, I know that sometimes we rip on seasons like Operation Overdrive, where the, um, the Rangers are not necessarily the most heroic, heroic people. They'll quit at the drop of a hat. But I like that this shows a more human element. It seems that it's more of a person 
than just a stereotype character. I like that they're moving past that. That was yeah. something I and, liked. Yeah. And when I Min would... went for the throat, uh, we learned that it actually was in every way his fault that Trini died. Yeah. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. uh, the irony of no. Trini's first focus episode where she conquers her fear of heights on a cliff and she dies by getting thrown off a cliff. No, she exploded. And... Oh, she exploded. Well, off of yeah, the vaporized. Yeah. On a cliff's edge. She I, got... I was like, no, really? I, I, if, r- while we are really, really fast saying that, kudos to the, the team as well for not pulling punches on her death. I thought in my process my okay this is how i predict the episode's gonna go oh she's gonna get blasted off the cliff her head's gonna hit like the cliff off screen that's what's gonna happen i like that it oh, wasn't no. Like, well no according to simon bennett they they considered th- the pulling even fewer punches but thought that correct. of it correct and no they war of the worlds dis- like evaporated her and everyone even asked simon did was she just like what happened oh she was evaporated she was destroyed Oh my, that was a kudos to you guys for that. Like they, they made it a very emotional moment. Like there is no coming back. This is, yeah, there is no teary eyed scene. There is no farewell. No, this is, you don't get that moment. And I think that's Mm -hmm. even more impactful as the older you get, you don't get that moment back. There is no proper farewell. There's also precedent for this in canon. You know, when, when Kendricks died, there was nothing to bury. I was going to bring that up as well. Like I watched recently Kendricks's death scene, and a lot of the same gravitas is there. It's obviously shot differently because you know different circumstances beyond the deaths. Um, so they've done this before. I just because of the way the this special resolved, I feel like it, it hits a little differently because we there's no reason. For them to bring to bring Trini back, there is yeah. none. They would they no, would never do it. Desecrate her legacy. They, I hope they would never do it. And, and to kind of piggyback on what was said earlier about like Billy being fallible, that's honestly just it's aging up the characters. You know, when you're a teenager, you kind of feel like, well, I haven't made any big mistakes yet because you haven't because you're 14, um, and that's just something that happens. But as life goes on you're going to have those big mistakes where you're like, I really, really messed up. Yeah, it um, is nice to see. And so that's, see. that's a great way to show that the characters are, are growing up and that they're not these eternal perfect children. Characters have grown up. Right. And then there's Rocky. Yeah. I, I'm Rocky. Yeah. I sure like, like to eat. <laughs> like, I feel like the firefighter thing might have been an artifact from when they might have been expecting jason maybe i don't have a problem with rocky being a firefighter i honestly don't have a problem with him being kind of upset about his food honestly that's perfectly in character for rocky that's what what little we got of him um to be fair they needed something that was funny to play off of Catherine's, and Catherine was even do you know what it's like to walk into the restroom and teleport away like Come, on. I, I I feel like that is such for me. That was such an insignificant. Oh, it was just a yeah. little silly moment. And they and they needed to leaven, leaven the special with some humor. But Rocky also played a role in one of the highlights of the special, which was the throw down the juice bar, right? Which was they, really they, impressively recreated. An unmorphed battle. I, I want to mm. stress that unmorphed. Yeah. 
and and Walter Jones doing that backflip at 49. Damn. Yeah, I mean, they smooth. clearly neither of them really seem to have lost a step. Um, he's not, you know, he's obviously not 49. How yeah, old is I mean, 50, Steve Cardenas he's, bulked he's, up. He's 56. But like, yeah. Oh, he you're just right. said it Damn. yesterday on the. Yeah, he, he just said it uh, yesterday on the live stream. Yeah, that's even more. Oh, you're impressive. right. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, Walter was moving around like crazy. A lot of people were commenting. Like I said, I, I have my laundry list of problems, but this is not one of them. A lot of people said that Steve looked stiff in the action scenes, and I'm like, not really. He was dropping bows on the putties like crazy. You know, he's still moving around. He wasn't moving. He wasn't like flipping or anything, obviously. But other than that. I kind of liked his more brawler fighting style because it seemed more realistic. Obviously, he didn't need wire work for anything like that. Right. And it, I'd rather have him, yeah. you know, shove his weight around. Like, Steve Cardenas is a bulky dude. He's not, like, overweight or anything. He does martial arts. He's in really good shape. No. He's too big for the suit now, but it's not because of anything he's doing. He's just, you know, he's, like, jacked. So to see him use his strength to his advantage in that fight scene, I thought made sense. As opposed to him, uh, somebody yeah, of his yeah. stature trying to do what Walter's doing. Walter's a lankier guy. You know, he's he's smaller in frame. It makes sense for him that he can do that stuff. It would be ridiculous to expect Rocky to do that. Well, and it shows that they've evolved their fighting styles as as they've aged. Um, you know, obviously, like, as you tend to lose a little bit of speed as you get older, you want to compensate with power. And I mean, Steve Cardenas is clearly, I mean, I, that guy can bench press a house. Um, <laughs> so yeah, doing, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, doing a more, a brawler fighting style is perfect for him. Yeah. I mean, what did people Char want? Did they want yeah. Charlie Kirsch and Rocky and Zach to relive that one scene from the early episodes where, what was it? Billy, no, it was Zach and Kimberly, and I think Jason, like, they connect their legs, and Jason's just spinning in a circle, and they're, like, right. flinging yeah. around like yeah. a tilt-a-whirl. Is that what you want? Oh, yeah. But Charlie, could she absolutely brought it. I mean, they, they got her out yeah. of 87 North, so it shouldn't be a surprise that she had some incredible skills. She was just really impressive in some of those scenes. Some of her scenes looked like scenes. a bit of a demo reel for her for projects moving forward. Hey, whatever. Uh, Ron's score was also pure Ron. I enjoyed Ron's score quite a bit. I liked that it incorporated um, the feel. I don't know if he was just hearkening back to the same scales. I don't think a lot of the uh, musical motifs were the same, but obviously he knew his stuff. Yeah. I really enjoyed the... Um, I, I can only call it Bulk and Skull-ish theme that played when Zach did the hip-hop keto. It was... Exactly. And there was a Bulk and Skullish theme when we saw the Bulk and Skull sign. That too. But I liked that they could have not even had the Ron Wasserman credit in the opening, and you could have told that it was him still doing it. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. weird that they had the remastered MMPR theme that he did back in 2010 in the special. That was actually that was actually Hasbro's request. Interesting. That he'd do that, but edit it down to 45 seconds. I would have liked to hear maybe one or two more of his old songs that he redid in 2010 in the special somewhere. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I had that in my bingo Where's card. Where's combat? Um, Where's fight? Where's 541? Yeah, like you'd think it was legal, you know, le- practically legal o- obligation to use the old Zords theme, which uh, the when they summoned the Zords, it seemed like like some of the music kind of evoked that, but didn't actually go all the way. Right. Um, and maybe there just, you know, wasn't wasn't a good opportunity to special rather that scene wasn't the right opportunity to use, you know, uh, we need a hero or something. I think that, that's what he used if a fight scene's going long, or that's what he would use, did use back in the day. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have Wasserman rescore your entire episode, I mean, you have this swath of stuff that you've created. Now's the chance to use it. But still, I, I think that, I think that having him, uh, even if he wasn't playing the hits, uh, it added the, the energy that MMPR demands, and it was just so great to have him back. I just wish we could have him for longer. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be the middle one. I thought Ron's score wasn't all that special, to be honest. There was nothing that popped out to me that was great outside of, yeah, like the Balkan skull or when the Zords were forming. I thought it it was there. I, if you told me that was Ron, I would have not known the difference at all. Yeah, honestly, I, I hate to admit it, but a part of me was kind of like, yeah, this is just the same old stuff we've always had on Mighty Morphin, right? I, I didn't notice anything new. Now, the special wasn't perfect. And, <laughs> oh, um, no, it wasn't! <laughs> Mike, I, I know you have uh, some grievances to air. I do. I, I think... I kind of alluded to this earlier, but there's a lot of things in the special that took place off screen. Yes. Like when Alpha 9 sends that message telling all the teams to assemble and all the teams to demorph, we don't actually see any of that happen. You can do this with, with suit actors and fake shemps. Uh, or, you know, we only... we see that Rita has, or that Snizzard and Minotaur have on her behalf captured a number of rangers, but we don't see any of this take place. You can do that, again, without needing the actors there. Uh, Dino Fury did this with, uh, with the Beast Morphers rangers in a brief scene where Commander Shaw contacts the Dino Fury rangers. Uh, so, I mean, it might have been a time thing. I, I really, I really don't know, but it struck me as kind of weird that we didn't see any of that happen after the, the cemetery scene. And also, you know, felt like the special was building up to Rita actually going back in time, but it kind of felt a little anticlimactic that, that didn't actually happen anyway. Power, yeah. Power Rangers no, I, I... has always had this problem, where, especially of late, since Hasbro bought it, where it wants to come off like this big, sprawling epic of continuity and lore for 30-some years, 
but it doesn't want to put in the efforts to actually do it. It just wants the credit. It's it feels like just being old is enough to have that kind of distinguished nature and it doesn't work. If I I want to add in that it's why here's the thing. I enjoyed the special. I enjoyed it a whole lot and I can go go back and watch it and firmly say out of all the anniversary specials it's probably second because forever red's just time perfect time perfect place perfect tone everything type of deal with the exception of the ending type of deal but it's why i keep rating rating it a six out of ten it's a fun special but it feels like with more time with more budget with more fine-tuning polishing everything it would have been elevated to it and i feel like the same way with it uh i don't i don't disagree with y'all right and and before i start ranting like crazy i want to say that one thing i felt the most out of this special compared to all the other anniversaries we've gotten this one in particular i definitely got the impression that everyone involved had their heart in the right place this was definitely a project that was a labor of love they did not need to make this but it felt like everyone involved wanted to make it. It felt less like a love letter to the fans and more of a thank you to the fans, if that makes mm, sense. No, I get you. Yeah. Um, because they, they, as you were saying, they definitely didn't need to make this. Um, none of us thought they would make this. The fact that they did and that those who were involved put in a decent amount of effort within the confines that they had... Um, you know, Walter, David, um, Kat, uh, Steve, they all brought their A-game for this. Right. You know, they couldn't control some of the other components, but what they could control, they, they put their heart and souls in. Right. Yeah, and I agree with that, because you, you're at the same process I had. What was given to us, if it was the best they could give us, they did the best they could. More power to them. For it, there always seemed like there was a, all right, we're going to do this. But, so like, we're going to do a re anniversary special, but we're not going to have Amy Joe or Austin or JDF ignoring the background stuff of real life stuff happening. We're going to get mm -hmm. Ron, but we're not going to include some of his more iconic stuff. Right. No, we're going to have a special, but it's only going to be two episodes, not the eight episodes. It, it, it was like a mixture of everything. Right. Also, before I forget it, before I forget, this is a total squirrel moment. It has no relation to the plot, no relation to the positive and negatives. But I do want to say shout out to the the putty that was like had the prop mistake. And it looked like he had a hood. Yes. I'm all for yeah, putty putty. <laughs> well, I, I, I made my, my bingo card. I had prop error, which uh, that's one. I guess that's more of a costume error. But there was also an error with uh, Min's Morpher where it was open the second time she tried to use it when it shouldn't have been. Right. Yep. Either way, I just yep. wanted to highlight Goody Putty. <laughs> that actually brings up, yeah. um, if, I, if I may open my floodgates of things that I had problems with, I, I, will go to, okay. I will go directly from that, the Hoodie Putty. A lot of discourse about this episode, I've noticed, says uh, when people 
criticize once and always. They're always like, well, your expectations are too high. This is a Power Rangers special. Why do you have such lofty ambitions for what this show should be? Power Rangers always was what it was, and you should just kind of take it for what it is and relish in that. Well, first of all, why are you going to live your life with lowered expectations of things? What kind of pessimist attitude are you living your life by going through something and being like, well, I know this isn't going to be very good anyway, so I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. And I feel like a lot of people will excuse a lot of things that happen, such as a costume error or a flub somewhere online, because it's just Power Rangers, and that's how it always was. It's like it's an excuse for something. It's like, I, oh, you I want, think... It, 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 add to that. I, I'm going to push like back the, a bit, though. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, well, all I was going to say was, I can relate to that, because look at the fan fest that they had the day before where there was people with like regular tennis shoes on uh, yeah dancing the thing out of the grove yeah and the the word you're looking for times it was half-assed yes or if it was if it wasn't half-assed it was due to a true all right we didn't have five sets we had four sets because of budget reasons okay we didn't have amy joe on for whatever reason okay but th when stuff was half-assed, and that goes back to mine, it needed fine-tuning. It needed polishing. The hoodie putty is as iconic as he is now. He's going to be a meme. Like, what's his face from Halo? One of the brutes. Um, that's a great example of that, of this was not given a second glance over type of deal. Uh, that is the exact – I was kind of avoiding wanting to use the word half-assed to describe the special, but that nails the head perfectly. And a lot of people love this special, and I want to reiterate, if you love Once and Always, if you think it's the best thing Power Rangers has ever done, you're entitled to think so. That's your right. No one's going to take that away from you, and you're not wrong for thinking that. This is just criticism that I and maybe some other people have. Um, every single time we have an anniversary special, people are very high on it. Every single time. I vividly remember Operation Overdrive. I vividly remember Once a Ranger being universally beloved. And now people look back on it and be like, well, it's not very good, you know. It was okay. The Overdrive Rangers I, are quitting the mm. entire time. and I think those are things that I thought about once Ranger at the time. Well, maybe it was a very uh, minor group. I know people are more open to criticisms about that, which is true of anything. You know, hindsight will happen. And the whole time I'm just thinking – while I'm watching this. Yes, it is great to see the old cast back. It is great to have all these old window dressings and to have all the voice actors back. Um, by the way, I do want to mention that Horvitz absolutely killed it as Alpha 9 as well. I don't think we mentioned oh, yeah. it. Fantastic. Great job. A-game. Um, but now... Oh, oh, real fast, real fast oh. on Alpha uh, for it, just really fast. I absolutely agree with you. His very... I was very worried about Richard for that because his first, when they showed the trailer... You could tell the age on it. Of It did not sound like the alpha, like the high squeak. It was like, oh, it's a little – you can start telling he knocked it out of the park. I think that was like a second editing or whatever yeah. in that respect. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I am sensing a vibe, yeah. best line in the whole special. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was great. Okay. That was like top tier As I'm watching the line. special, it's like I said, it's context yep. versus content. The context of seeing all these people back and having, you know, the crew back and everyone getting together to make something that they love. That's fantastic. Everyone loves that. But then you peel that away and you actually look at the content of the special. And then I watched it again. And then I'm just like, I tried to watch the special imagining that everybody was cast with the wrong person. 
I tried to watch it as if, you know, all the like Zach was voiced by whoever did the Zach voice when Walter had left the show in season two, as if David Yost was recast a la Mystic Mother era Rita, you know, and then you you get rid of all that nostalgia and then you see a whole bunch of stuff like, first of all. Why Minotaur and why Snizzard? Of all the monsters you could have possibly picked for Rita to come back, they picked those two. Minotaur did not have any lines in his original episode at all. He was just like, the entire time. No words. It was it was Hasbro who made them. Okay. I was thinking. And Sni- correct. And Snizzard also, too, was a yeah. throwback to Brian Crankston. That, that no, no, no. Those, 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 the, the, both monsters were uh, requests from upstairs. Okay. Uh, just like how... It was Hasbro that told Simon that they had to use uh, what he didn't know apparently were the uh, the uh, Zord Ascension Project uh, Megazord designs. Oh, the Zaps, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's also yep. I felt as I was watching the episode, and I'm I'm sure it's just writing and maybe it's sensibilities of how children's television has changed. I did not feel like I was watching two monsters from the '90s make their glorious return. I felt like I was watching relatives that were taking up their names that minotaur from 2023 versus minotaur from 1993 felt like an entirely different thing yeah i i think you're right i think i think you know hasbro's lightning collection plans aside those are what informed the hasbro's decision to make that request um i think it would have i mean it wasn't going to be goldar obviously because of uh of grid of grid connection Mm -hmm. i think there could have been monsters of more consequence they could have used. They could have used Pudgy Pig, but I guess that wouldn't have really been like lent. He wouldn't have lent himself to, uh, to the story they were trying to tell. True, but I agree. I um, do think they should have used one or two more iconic monsters than those ones. Minotaur is a pretty deep cut. I know he's from one of the very first episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, from teamwork, I believe. Yeah, it's teamwork and foul play in the sky. Yeah, I mean, they, they fit the roles that they needed to, um, you know, one was a monster that could do X, one was a monster that could do Y. Yeah, were there some slightly more iconic monsters that they could have used? Yeah, sure. But that wasn't really, if they needed to go back and, like, fix something, that's not what they needed to work on. Um, probably the biggest issue I found was, and, and David Yost as much confirmed this, that they only had 12 days to shoot. Yeah. And right. even when I was watching it the first time with my wife, I was like, they really could have used another take there. Because I know the actors can bring it, but like, it takes time to like, get into the zone, yeah. you know, figure out your right delivery, and you get the impression you know, they just said it. Alright, come on, move on to the next one. We don't have time. Very much so. And I also got the impression um, just a loop to that real quick. Uh, I feel like David was fantastic in the scene in the beginning in the living room with Walter. I definitely got the impression that he was getting more tired as the show went on. I don't know if they filmed things in order, but I definitely got that some scenes were stronger than others for a lot of the actors. If, if it helps, um, Hunter mentioned yesterday during JDF's tribute that there is no stopping Empower Rangers. So right. if that does lend credulence to it, once they started, there was no break. Like, they had to finish it. I'm okay with the plan of having the super magnet from the the junkyard trap the monsters. Then they just leave them there to rot. Like, 
we can't escalate this. It, sometimes violence is not the answer. Violence is always the answer in Power Rangers. They are they are terrorizing the city. How many times have people destroyed the monsters because they were terrorizing you know civilians? Leaving them there was dumb. And then they went back. Oh, what do you know, Rita? Rita got him. Yep. It's the same problem they had in, um, oh shoot, the comics, the Boom comics with Alpha 1, where the Rangers decide to turn on Alpha 1 because he was like, yeah, I'm going to try and kill Goldar, you know, the evil warlord who slaughtered thousands. Yeah, it's like you have, like, I, you have a congressman I, I know, on your team. Dissonance you have a congressman weird. on your team and a tech guru, and neither of them thought, well, maybe we should try to actually close this loop at, this loophole of having these monsters that are alive. With on a magnet, which again, ugh. um, I I mentioned that there's too many references. Sometimes I felt like some scenes in the show were written for people who watch this show on one screen and have like all like a checklist or a bingo card open on the other. Um, can we can um can we? Can we um, I'm gonna go. Can we talk about the gay couple? Ignore me. I have no problem <laughs> with the inclusivity. That's fantastic. It's something the Power Rangers has needed to have more of, honestly. I don't like the way it was handled because honestly, you know, Min gets on her, just drives away to a secret location where no one else is. And then they have this shoehorned scene. That's the best way I could describe it of help my boyfriend's in trouble and Min saves him. And then she goes back to the plot. Like, why couldn't that have been done in the city where other things were going on? That honestly just felt like it was a last minute addition to the entire special and that did not sit well with me if they want to be inclusive they can't just have it slapped in as if it was an afterthought i felt like why would it take place the city if cranston tech is over by the beach well that's fine but there was no evidence of cranston tech and in, in, in that entire scene it was just min drives on but she, up she lived she got the rad bug from from outside Billy's office. I understand that. But then have maybe have that happen right outside Cranston Tech. It just felt like it was thrown in from a differently filmed uh, thing, just kind of sandwiched in there, just kind of to tick a box to get, like, glad representation or something. I have no problem with them including that, obviously, but I just felt like it felt obligatory. And well, speaking of things that are obligatory, I was I was getting to the segue. You you read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Rangers do eventually go to the moon to uh, figure out how to destroy Rita's machine and free all their friends. And naturally, this leads uh, Rita to make Snizzard grow, and there is a Megazord fight. On the moon. First and off, I have to say that than... I appreciate that Snizzard grew because Snizzard never grew in the real show. I'm, mm, I'm right. okay with that. And rather than do it like... And, and let's... Huh? Can you appreciate... I was going to say, can yes, you also appreciate yes, we did. Too, we that did. Uh, we actually um, went to the moon? <laughs> now, rather than shoot, you know, the way that the show might have, you know, back in the 2000s or back in, you know, you know, 2001, something like that, rather than shoot like day for night, they did fully CG. 
and they use the model or based on um, the Zord Ascension Project Megazord, as we uh, mentioned earlier. And um, I don't have a problem with them using the Zap Megazord as a model. I understand yeah, the reasoning yeah, behind that. That's fine. I mean, we didn't have that much of a problem with Serpentera looking like butt during Forever Red. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing, whatever. I think, but it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. In motion, on the other people... hand, um, those people who have been clamoring for animated Power Rangers, I hope you know that this would be what you would get because Jesus Christ. I don't think I've ever seen I a think, Megazord yeah. made out of NFTs, but now I have gotten that experience. <laughs> I'm not sure, like, why. I think. Go control uh, control Z, go back, go back. <laughs> um, they might have relied on a different vendor than usual. Yes. Uh, there's somebody specifically credited for, um, for Megazord Animation. But what I noticed is who wasn't credited for the first time since Power Rangers moved to New Zealand. Uh, Carol Petrie a long time VFX producer and her company PRP VFX were not involved in the special. And I'm not sure what the story is there. There's no vendor. There's no vendor that is credited. It might've been a situation like forever red where they were forced to work with Disney's folks, um, where they had to use, they had, um, it, like, it, it looks great if you're looking at photos, but in, in motion, I guess it's the moon. It's supposed to look floaty, but it doesn't feel like like the, the same kind of oomph is there uh, that you'd see if, if it were, were a suited fight. And, uh, you know, maybe... I like how you know, Billy has repurposed of, the Zords that have the exact same level of gravity on the moon as they do on Earth, apparently. Well, would the Megazord have been able to do that big old flip on Earth? Yeah. I certainly never I've saw that happen in the show. Well, SPD, that thing had boosters. Yeah, I mean, the kid could put yep. boosters. I definitely got the impression it was a rebuilt Megazord. It was not the same one from back in the day. No, it, well, it, it would have to be. It would have to be rebuilt. Destroyed, yeah. yeah. The, the number one but feeling I got as I got to the Megazord fight, I'm watching the episode, and then they got to the CG Megazord fight, and I'm just like, oh, they ran out of budget. And <laughs> that's exactly what I thought the entire time. Which is sad because, like, the actual dinosaur, the, the call, summoning outside of fantastic. They were great. Like that was legit. Outside of Sabretooth, if you go back and watch it, it looks like they, they, they also yeah the the Zord stays in the air. Way they also reshuffled it, it a bit. Have. It so that like Sabretooth came <laughs> ahead of Triceratops. Yes, compared to the show where yeah, that's reversed. Um, and I don't have a problem with Billy being in the center of the cockpit. Doesn't bother me at all. No, not at all. Not at no. all. He built the damn thing, so he might as well sit in the center. <laughs> wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, go back, go back for just a sec. You said no, no, no. Sabretooth was before, was before Triceratops, Triceratops in this. In the normal show? Tri Triceratops came before Sabretooth. And I, I think it's possible, considering that the joysticks are the power crystals... The Rangers could be in any setup. I gotta tell you, on. I never noticed that. In 30 years of watching this show, I never noticed it until they pointed it out in this. Oh, yeah, it's all a comparison. That's what, you know, pointed out to me that Sabretooth didn't uh, come second. It came, always came, like, third. That was a nice touch. Right. Considering 
uh, you know, the occasion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, other things like some people were like, well, they should have combined the weapons into the power blaster. Doesn't bother me at all. I have no problems with them using yeah. the individual weapons. Everybody got their moment to shine. Um, Rocky, you know, taken down with a pretty brutal stab motion was, I felt kind of egregious. And I felt like the show knew that too. Cause you know, with Kat's line of geez, Rocky, that was intense. Yeah, no, it reminded me of that, uh, college humor video of the Ninja Turtles realizing they could use their weapons. And it's like, yeah, I just couldn't think of a quip. So I, I stabbed him. Right. No, or, or <laughs> like, like, like Indiana Jones. Like, damn. <laughs> Indiana Jones with the sword, the the sword guy. Yeah, maybe Rocky just had um, really bad diarrhea uh, yeah. during that day. I do not know. Um, at first, yeah. I was like, does Billy by himself have to be the one to take down Robo Rita? But then I was like, well, to be fair, that's Alpha 8's body that Billy created in the first place. So I really didn't. I was okay with it. Um, I do not like. I felt like, well, then again, the fact that Rita could be taken down easily. I don't know if that's a reference because, you know, once a, a monster comes back. They're substantially easier to kill in Tokusatsu as a whole. Um, that was fine. You know, I I never liked the power axe being used as a gun, but it could. That's been done in the show before. Uh, speaking of villains, I, I've had a problem with this before, but I felt like it was especially bad here with men. I do not like the inconsistency of how putty how strong putties are supposed to be. How many episodes have we seen where like children, like Eight-year-olds can take on putties with little to no difficulty. Vulcan Skull could handle Quantrons just fine in Countdown to Destruction. So then you have Min, who's been training her entire life in the martial arts, and she can't handle the putties unmorphed? Um, If you go back to Day of the Dumpster... If you go back to Day of the Dumpster, yeah, the Rangers had trouble with that. Well, Billy was deemed a beginner at that point. You know, he had just started. Well, even Jason had trouble with putties. Yeah. I would go back to that, and maybe it's a head cannon thing. I always considered the putties like, oh, this batch is better than this batch type of deal, where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it showed very much inconsistency. Or if you throw like a variation, like it's a clown putty, it's a lot weaker than an actual normal putty was. I'm bust I always thought you're saying that. Yeah, well, also, like you go you through the history of, of Power Rangers, and it's like the, the moment you morph, you know, shit <laughs> No, hey, uh, when you mentioning the morph, can we talk about the joke that I saw for a sec where it was like, it was one of the criticisms was like, why did they uh, have to morph to fight the putties? They're like, my dude, they're 50 years old. If and My back like no, creaks sense. and aches when I get up. If you're asking me to face putties at that age, of yeah. course I'm morphing. I thought the secret. <laughs> like, no, I was. Sorry, go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I was more distracted by the fact that like Min was really ticked off that the morpher wouldn't work. I'm like, you didn't press the button, girl. Like the button's <laughs> right the battery's there. Press in. the button and then it works. It wasn't anything about your heart not being pure. Are we gonna ignore uh, that? Yeah, no. The they, they said they used the lightning collection morphers. So like the button on the side. No, they used the legacy. The there was know, obviously the legacy the... morphers. Yeah. Uh, legacy okay. coins had the patina on it. They used um, legacy. Yeah, they used legacy. Okay. Either way, you press the button. That's that's what's yep. supposed to happen. Like you didn't need to sacrifice yourself or you know find the good in your heart or whatever it was. I think, Tommy, morphed, I, think no I think canonically, it's... canonically though, they don't press the button. Right. I don't think they do either. Yeah, it. Yeah, it, even though you like, if you look closely, like in 
in Once a Ranger, you can see Adam press the button. You're not supposed like you you didn't see that. I mean, but the button's there. It's it's on the morpher, like the prop itself. It is, but it's kind of like you know because so often, including I guess in this, they quite literally use the toys. It's kind of a a chicken yeah. and egg thing. Mm-hmm. And then we get to what I probably had the largest issue with, and it's if I haven't painted a big enough target on the back of my head, this will definitely do it. Wait, wait, wait! Before before you do that, can I mention one thing about Megazord? Because oh, by we're all going means, so- go ahead. I'm I'm covering a lot I'm, of ground. I apologize. Uh, no, you're good. I want to mention one thing, and I've always held this opinion: if we're painting targets on our back, I'm going to put my my target on my back too. Simon, you are full of crap when you say that you could not have filmed a uh, a Megazord scene with the suit. Because I'm sorry, if Forever Red can put a yeah. night filter and a valley for the moon, as well as doing completely new suits for Snizzard and Minotaur, I'm sorry, you're full of crap. <laughs> now, I think that I think that there might have been like a, you know, either a failure of imagination. Or a specific decision that they wanted, you know, in terms of of art direction, that they wanted it to look a certain way, and that was the only way to do it. That has to be it. But his excuse they that... wanted to depict the moon in a way differently from way the how it had been depicted in the past. Correct. But his excuse of we we couldn't build a moon set in time. Are you kidding me, man? <laughs> like, really? I think, like, I think again, you know, if they were, if they approached it with the same ethos that was used in the Saban days to shoot those sorts of Zord fights. But then again, I mean, New Zealand has quarries. They don't really have, you know, much the way of like Vasquez rocks or something. Film it on the same beach that they film Um, everything else on in New Zealand and just say it's the Sea of Tranquility. I I agree with that. I mean, I'm looking on Amazon right now. They've got an inflatable Megazord suit for 63 bucks. So they could have just used that. Um, they already had the Snizzard costume. So, yeah. I would have laughed if they used the inflatable Megazord. I would have been like, oh, so that's where the budget finally dried up. <laughs> What's the opposite of lightning mode yep. from Ninja Storm? That's what, be, what that suit would be used for. But I just can't bring myself to be too mad about the way it looks. I don't mind the way it looks. I just hate the way it was animated. Same. But if we want to talk about the biggest target on the back of my head, flame shields up. Let's go. Let's talk about the tribute at the end of the episode. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, we're going to fight now. Ooh, sweet. That's, 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 that's going to be... I, said, I, I will preface... This. I thought that what they did was genius, and... Uh, it like that was one of the things that really made me tear up. I don't think they would have used that scene if they were only mourning one death. Agreed. I think, um, yep. I think the use of that scene was motivated by Jason Frank's death. If you ask Walter and David, they approved of the use of that scene and they thought it was, Walter said it was very poignant. But what, go for it. Okay. Um, to give you an idea of how the sausage is made, earlier I sent Tyler uh, a clip uh, of a comedian named Mitch Hedberg. Uh, it's a joke about how um, sometimes, you know, you can dedicate a song to somebody, 
uh, maybe that song had deeper significance that you're kind of ignoring for selfish reasons. The example he gives is like, we are the world. We are the children. We are the ones that make a better day, so let's keep on giving. Yeah, girl. Remember that song? It was playing when I nailed you in the pet cemetery? And it completely disregards the poignancy that the song may have had. Why did they choose to use Down the Road there? Down the Road's original purpose was a song that Kim had played in the Song of Guitardo, which was to... Uh, for Tommy because he was losing his powers. He had not lost his powers yet. He was going to. And it was about, you know, staying friends down the road. And even though you've lost or you may stray away, you'll find your path. And I feel like repurposing that entire clip, not even edited at all, just slapped in the entire footage where Tommy and Trini are just sitting there amongst their friends while... Kim and Zach are singing this song like it was never meant to be that level of tribute and I feel like it's just repurposing it like good luck watching the song of Guitardo now when that scene comes up because that entire scene is now going to be thought of as this tribute it completely changes the meaning of it and I feel like that is the cheapest possible thing you could have done first of all well minor note Amy Jo Johnson actually wrote that song down the road so yeah she doesn't want anything to do with the special but she's gonna be collecting royalties because they used her song in the special but that's neither here nor there oh, I have opinions on that too <laughs> right I really don't like that they just had it the footage just slapped in there unused if you want to have it as a tribute for tommy and trini honestly make it a post credits thing have it at the very end overlay some maybe have some back behind the scenes footage where it's actually showing the actor because that's the other thing trini the character is dead tommy the character is not and it's treating them equally as if both of the characters are gone and I feel like it's conflating that, and it's the show trying to tell you how to feel about it. And if so, we're going to be paying tributes to people who have passed away from Power Rangers that are not necessarily in the special, where's the tribute for Robert Axelrod? Where's the tribute for Richard Janelle? Where's the tribute for all these other people that were very heavily involved in Power Rangers? They should, If they're going to do additional tributes to people that were in Mighty Morphin, they should have done those too. I don't disagree with you because I actually said it the day of to Rita was I felt the tribute. I felt the intention, the original intention for it was to show a photo for tweet. I thought they would show a photo and fade in, fade out with Jason David Frank's passing. I feel like they had to immediately change it. But the way they did it, I understand the reason why. It just felt really shoehorned in and did not fit with the rest of the footage. It didn't fit with the rest of the stuff. I took the meaning away with the song, though, as a life goes on type of deal of the situation type of deal. But at the end of the day, it was just like, yeah, I felt the same way that it just it did not it, it they did, could have even done a montage or something like that. And I don't understand why. You know? you know, what I would have absolutely loved to see, as cheesy as it is, um, I feel like it would fit. Like I said, my biggest problem is that they just repurposed the entire scene and didn't change anything. And it's just like, well, 
this is going to suck for you now. If they wanted to do that, as much of a meme as people made it in 2020, where uh, in order to help people get through coronavirus, a bunch of actors and actresses decided to do very poor singing of Imagine by John Lennon in a Zoom call type thing. <laughs> get a bunch of people who are on the show to do that for Down the Road. I think yeah. that would have been a very poignant tribute because and from people outside MMPR too because that way it's referencing something that was in the show the song it's about all your friends staying together it has even more of a reaching impact because it shows how the legacy has continued on past those original seasons and I feel like it would have that's why I wanted it to be a post credit scene as well because then the facade of the show is gone and it's no longer about the characters because the entire special has been Vividly about the character of Trini. But then, you know, we're going to pull the curtain away, and then the cast comes out, and now it's about Twee. Now it's about JDF. I felt like that would have been the way to do it. They needed to, to reveal that more if that's how they wanted to do it. Having it between the end of the episode and the end credits, I felt was just not the way to go about it. I, I, I still like the, the use of the song. Disagree? I still like the song, though. Yeah, I, 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 re I think that they, um, the moment they used was a moment of relative stillness. And I think that, uh, I think that that made it the right, uh, the right way to reflect on both of them. Yeah, I mean, obviously they got thrown for a loop because, I mean, everything with uh, Jason David Frank happened after they had filmed. And, I mean, they weren't going to completely redo the special, um, but they also couldn't just pretend like Twee was the only right. one gone. It it was a really difficult position. Like I said, it's it's more than two. But did they just forget that the other ones had passed? I think Walter and David were you know as we've gone back to were very much uh, kind of the consciences uh the, the informal consultants on you know are we do the like is this the right thing for these characters and i feel like they wouldn't have done that in post if they didn't have buy-in from those two that's fair. Oh, right, and we wouldn't have it if they did not have buy-in. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, I I get that they're absolutely the reason why it was made. Like I said, and I don't have a problem with them doing it. It's just the way it was done. I felt like it, it was more of an intentional. Oh, you're gonna feel sad now. Everybody watching this, like, start crying, kids, instead of a genuine um remorse for people that had passed it, it felt a little bit manipulative and i didn't like the way that it sat i wish there had been a way to recognize robert robert axelrod as well again um, axelrod bob pappenbrook there, there are so many names right tim but, strauss yeah yeah he's still around i thought he had passed for some reason no no well, he's still around that and don't put his well, name on a gravestone, maybe. 
I mean, it's the same thing with um, the original Witch Bandora. I mean, add her in as well. Like I said, if you if you want, well, they Hachiko they Soga, Mystic yeah. Force, Mystic Force, yeah, yeah. If you want to, like I said, if you want to have a tribute that goes past the scope of Twee to include JDF, that's fine. But you need to include everybody. You can't just pick and choose your favorites for an in memoriam. I mean, the the difference is that they played Rangers. I get that. Um, the one person that I felt was missing from this special, which was obviously all about Trini and all about Twee, and I would have loved to see it. I'm sure the logistics made it impossible. Get Audrey in there somehow. Have her own the juice bar at the end. Even a non-speaking role. I would have loved that. I think, I think being in Auckland... You know, there are probably other people who would have been in it if they'd filmed True. in L.A. But, uh, you know, you're asking, like, that's one more person they got to fly a business this is class. also true. And again, I understand that my and... opinions on the tribute um, are not the norm. I understand that they're not popular. Um, but to be fair, as a whole... We don't know what we want as a franchise, and it's okay to have all those different opinions. Half of the fans in this fandom can't even spell Zach correctly, and it's been in the opening credits for 30 years. We don't know what we want, and it's okay. That's just how I felt about it. But besides all of those problems, and like I said, I, I'm probably the biggest quote-unquote hater of the special. Um, I don't think it was garbage. I don't think it was the worst thing ever. And it's hard for me to hate something when I could tell throughout that its heart was in the right place. It, but it goes back to what... Very diplomatic of you. But it goes back to what I said earlier, that you can have heart in it, but there is a point where it does look half-assed at times. Right. Or in a more, I guess, more correct term, they, they did the old school what I did back in college. The first draft is the final draft. At times, it looked like that. Yeah, and you that's be, a very fair criticism. You can be bringing your A game, but the A game of a student that's been held back four or five times is still not very good. At uh, C2E2, we got this audio uh, from our friends at Ranger Command Power Hour that we'll link to in the notes. Uh, Johnny Bosch said that there's an opportunity, maybe, 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 to follow up on some of the threads introduced in this special and you know, a continuing story, but uh, depending on uh, on reception on Netflix views, and it seems to be really burning up oh, Netflix. Yeah. Adam and uh, Aisha did but, not need to be in this. He didn't. But, there, you know, of the, the hooks that are put in there to maybe pick up on, what would you like to see if we were to return to this world again. Johnny says that, but if Netflix and Hasbro really want it, it's going to happen. It's just like Toonami uh, when they did their April Fool. Right, but but if it but like if it were like, you know, if you had their ear, what would you tell them to make? 
of course, Johnny's going to be like, Are hey, you-, you know, I want more work. So if you fill out this survey, I can get right. more work. That would be great. But I mean, it was clearly written with the idea, like, you know, the way it ends, there's clearly places that uh, that Billy's story, that Min's story could go from here. I would, if it was me, because I actually don't have this in my notes, if there was a continuation, it has to be a miniseries. To uh-huh. me, it should be something that is cleaning up other stories and exploring, uh, to me, essentially the Mighty Morphin powers and why they are so significant. Like, for example, the thing that really stood out to me, and it stands out to me now, why in the heck did Billy build a command center in secret? And it seems like the Mighty Morphin Rangers know, but the rest of the Rangers don't. Or at least that's how it was uh, presented. Why is he building this in secret? Why are they still having their powers in secret type of deal when we're almost to SPD where rangers are known? It's not a secret. The Power Rangers exist. I guess that's the thread I would go with in addition to the search for Zordon type of deal. I like that thread of, is he truly gone now? Because that door is wide open. See, I would say if you're going to try and do... Uh, more of kind of like a continuation off of Once and Always, I would recommend building Min a team of Rangers because they're obviously going to keep bringing in the Mighty Morphin suits for anniversary specials. I mean, this series is probably going to go on forever. (laughs) So at some point, you're going to need a passing of the guard. You know, I think giving Min a whole new team, so that way it's not just her and then the OGs, would be a nice way to kind of like say, okay, from now on when you see this Mighty Morphin team, it's not Jason, Zach, Trini, Billy, Kim. It's Min, JJ, and whoever else they kind of rope in as their their new Mighty Morphin team. And that way you can still have Billy serve as a mentor um, and you can still explain why these powers are still being used even when the actors are no longer coming back. The, the difficult thing is how, like, you know, J.J. has been heard and heard of, but not seen. And I think that J.J., I think on one hand, you know, it would make sense because you, you got to set up this idea that Tommy's, uh, you know, Tommy's grandson is a ranger. But you have you'd have to figure out how how do you introduce JJ without Tommy's presence as opposed to uh soul of the dragon type of deal where it's like he is an SPD ranger but maybe have it where it, you have a strain essentially of him being on another team when he needs to be on the mighty morphin team or whatever for it if you're trying to incorporate men into it and some of the other family members maybe something like that where it's like it explores his relation to his duties as an spd but they need him for whatever reason for this one so where are his loyalties essentially i i personally like something like that but that's me yeah obviously we can't i'm not gonna write hasbro i'm not gonna write your tv show for you okay if you want to hire me just you know send me a check but um no it there's definitely an opening where you know, at some point, these actors are going to have to retire or step away from the projects. 
but you still do want to continue that legacy, that connection to MMPR. And to just keep doing, you know, recycling the audio tracks and whatnot, it's gonna wear stale after a while. And you've created this great character in Min, who the fans really like, who it's clear Charlie really enjoys playing the character. Do something with that. Build her a team. It's a version of what uh, what Toy did uh, with Gavon and with Kamen Rider Ichigo where you've had these younger characters take up the mantle. I'm tired of of Mighty Morphin. I really am. I don't necessarily like this idea of if the Rangers have a kid, they're automatically going to be Rangers. I'm not a fan of Mighty Morphin turning into... Yeah, or the the people trying to fan cast. I'm not a fan of Mighty Morphin turning into a... people trying to fan cast. I don't want Mighty Morphin to turn into a team of Nepo babies just running around saving the world, essentially. Or, if you're going to have that happen, maybe have an instance in some sort of special where someone like JJ or whomever, you know, obviously, we don't... Like, I got the impression from the special that Zach does not have kids. And Billy does not have kids. But if it's someone that does have right. a kid, maybe have them reject it. Maybe have a, something be like, okay, well, I am a Power Ranger. I don't want the responsibility. Find, or find someone who does. The entire point of the original show was that anybody could be a hero. You had the jock. You had, you had the nerd. Absolutely. You had, you know, the, the gymnast, the martial artist. And to have everything just kind of locked into these five or six different families, I really don't like. It's a kind of... It is a disservice to the concept that the show was built on. Well, it's like like you you want a situation kind of like Turbo, kind of like Turbo, where they they found people, you know. And again, if power. you want to have something where yeah. you know you have the Mighty Morphin passing on, use new suits. We have all this stockpile of stuff that's been unused. It doesn't have to be Mighty Morphin all the time. I get you know. To- there's got to be a point where Muddy Morphin stops selling. Frankly, I will be upfront with you. That will never happen. Oh, I disagree and entirely. I, I, yeah. And I will, and I can say this with confidence, with Rito as my backing, because I told him this off. I'm not going to tell you my sources. I'm not going to tell you that. I have been told outright, if Mighty Morphin does not, um. Mighty Morphin is the only one of Power Rangers that sells. If there was no Mighty Morphin, there is no more Power Ranger line, period. Yes, there are fan favorites like uh, Wes, Astronomer slash Corone. No, I understand, uh, but you just the new stuff? Yes, they outright said, and I have been told this yeah. to my face multiple times within the last year. If there was not, and, and I'm not talking specifically a comic or anything like that, but they're saying product alone. If there is not some type of Mighty Morphin tie-in, it does not sell. Their numbers internally reflect that. And they said, if we did not make Mighty Morphin, there would be no more Power Rangers, period. They would just end the line at I that understand. point in, in the franchise. I understand that. And but there that's is also, no other. I understand that, but that's also very much demographic-based. I'm 35 years old. I was five years old when the franchise first came out. Now I'm amid bendable income. What was that all about? So I'm just noticing Craig notifications in. Uh, you can delete this, obviously. Uh, okay. Don't worry about it. Um, we're all in kind of the same age bracket where, you know, we have the means 
to possibly scoop up nostalgia and collectibles and memorabilia of things that we love that perhaps we missed out on before. Generations growing up below us do not have that attachment to MMPR. So it's not like the fan base is really growing by all that much. Our wallets are. So I feel like there's, there's going a- I, there's going to be a cap at some point where they're eventually they're, they're going to run out of people who have the fondness for MMPR. The flip side of it, though, you have to remember, though, because we're we're about the same age. MMPR was its own monster. Was it, its it, own it, monster. It, it almost, mm-hmm. I mean, it still is. The people with well, and the reruns, the reruns still keep doing really well. I mean, yeah. they just re-released the DVDs again, and it sold like hotcakes. MMPR is Power Rangers in the same sense that, like, yeah, there's Batman Beyond with Terry McGinnis, but Batman is Bruce Wayne. That's yeah. I mean, a bunch of franchises. The original is is the big one, the big seller. I mean, Dragon Ball Z has made so yeah. many other stuff besides just you know Saiyan arc and Vegeta and all that. Doesn't matter. Z is what sells. The only thing that That's I think the thing with, uh, MMPR is going to be that. The only thing that I think will help MMPR continue is what we see with a lot of other franchises. It's why Disney keeps making their live action remakes. Is they're they're not going to do anything different with MMPR. They're just going to keep introducing MMPR to new markets. Now that you know places in Asia and whatnot are more receptive to Americanized. Things. That's the whole reason Disney does the live-action remakes. It's because they're trying to enter the Chinese movie market because they missed out on those properties in the first place, which is why a lot of movies are made that way because they're meant to sell overseas. So I could definitely see them repurposing MMPR um, in that way, like have an MMPR. The 2017 movie, actually, I don't think it even like released in... China or which Russia is why I that think that they'll try to do it again at some point with reasons. a version of the property that they will try to sell over there. But again, that can only work so many times. Well, no, actually, I don't think they. I don't think they even have. I don't think now. I think about they don't even have the ability to release Power Rangers themselves in China. So right, that's a towaway thing. Yeah, but then it also becomes the point of like, and again, I don't wish ill on anybody, but we're already down two Rangers out of the original six. How much can how many more how many more years can we go on if we keep losing people? Real and that's where the you know men being the next generation and kind of building off of that would I I, I think is probably something that Hasbro is considering because they've got to keep MMPR running. That's just yeah, that's here's, their bread and butter the, uh, with this being, franchise. But I hope I hope that they didn't hire at the same time. I hope they didn't hire Jonathan Entwistle. And Jenny Klein over at Entertainment One just to churn out MMPR. I want to, real fast too, I want to add in on the something on the MMPR just to, to make it very understandable. The other actors have said this themselves in two different ways I've been told this, and it makes, it makes total sense. When you think of the actors themselves, who are spokespeople for the show right now that you can name, that's not Jason David Frank. That are true. David Yost. That are, no, that have been in the community for about ten to fifteen years. Oh, I, it. not not at recently. There's about a handful. There's about five. Jason Font, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Jason Font is number yeah, one. Font. I would say I would throw Brendan Mejia's hat in there because he was a fan first. 
Sadar. Oh, yeah. He is number two. Yep. He is two of five. <laughs> There's about three more. Aaron? No, Aaron's not. No. no. Karen, Karen um, Ashley? Not really. No. Nakia Boris? No, not really. They are, but they're not. The ones that will go above and beyond, essentially. A lot of the names Jason being mentioned is right, people that Bridget. are just there to make money. Ciara Hanna. Yep, Ciara is number three. Yep. There's two more um, that are even co not coming to me, but basically they said there's only a handful of people that go above and beyond to promote the series, whether it's with J We were having this conversation after JDF. Correct. Time. If you want to get past, um, oh, um, um, Christopher Lee, he's number four. If you want to get, and, yeah. um, um, oh, I, I can't think of his name. I cannot think of his name for the life of me. TJ's actor. Delwyn Ward, first black leader of the Power Rangers. Thank you, Ward. Um, it, yes. Those are the five that go above and beyond promoting the series. They said, if you want to get past MNPR, then the 95% that do not push it need to step their game up and promote it beyond just those core five. Those core five fully embrace it and make it a part of their identity. You could add in Johnny Young Bosch in there, but he's now more anime at this point than... Yeah, I, I think yeah. Though the, the, the thing is, the tough, tough, tough part is, with the exception of the actors who were on it from space through Wild Force, they don't directly get a dime right. from... Uh, from DVDs or streaming or any of that. Correct. I also and ironically, because they they're not union. I was gonna say I find it a really big ask to expect actors from a show who may just take the role as you know a paycheck, to turn into brand ambassadors and not really have the mm -hmm. opportunity to do other projects that they may want to. Correct, but then That's that right. does fall into the if you want it to go beyond Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. You have to have people from other series to step up, and they have not. In a, in a very, very broad sense. I'm not talking a JDF level, because that was simply just above and beyond. But moving, going to different comic shops, like during the pandemic, Jason Font stepped up for that. Uh, um, Ward stepped up for that. You have to go. The other part of it, too, is they told me, okay, name me one toy from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from the first three seasons. Dragonzord, that's easy. Okay, name me something something from Zeo. Pyramidus, cool. Name me something from In Space. The Astro Megaship, cool. Name me something from Power Ranger Samurai. I can't. And they said, and that's why these sell and these do not. Marketing's another thing too. And they said, ironically, they use that example because Samurai, based on their internal logs and sales, sells the best since Mighty Morphin. It's really weird, but it just, it is what it is. But they said, if you can't even get people who've bit kept up with the series, something Samurai's is, yeah, I can't. Samurai also had a ridiculous amount of marketing push behind it. So we have gone super duper long. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, close out this part of our discussion and the rest, our news block, will be in a second part, a separate episode uh, which will drop on or around the time that we drop this first part. So thanks for listening, and we will join you next time in about two minutes from when we finish recording this. If you like what we just heard, find us at rangercast.net or look us up in your favorite podcast app. Reach out to us on Twitter or leave a voicemail on our website. The opening theme is by Daniel Park. The ending theme is by me. 
RangerCast is distributed under Creative Commons license. Attribute and share alike.